0: Well, Patrick Comerford is about to join us, the broadcaster of the Dubai racing action. We know Dubai's in the news at the moment, given James Orman, Queensland's leading jockey, is there. And as we know, last weekend at Jebel Ali, he rode up a storm for Michael Costa.
1: Wessel the grey into the final hundred meters. This could be the easiest win of the afternoon. It is Wessel completing a magnificent afternoon on course here for James Orman, Jebel Ali, Jimmy, and Michael Costa.
0: Take the last. Join us. That was an impressive performance there by Wessel. And joining us now is Patrick Comerford. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning, Steve. Thank you very much for having me
1: on. Uh, it's great to have a chat with you.
0: Yeah, tell us about James Orman's first night there riding at Jebel Ali. He didn't. He only had six rides. Well, it was a spectacle. That's, that's
1: all I can say. Um, look, a, a credit to not only James for his ability to ride a, a, such a unique track like Jebel Ali so well. As we know, it's a big, long run-in, and uh, it, it mimics Europe in many ways, uh, the way that the track's built, but obviously racing on a dirt surface and that giant hill that they have to run up from the 400. But his patience was just incredible all through the day. And I think it was a trust system as well. You've got to remember he's backing a trainer who's brought him over for the, uh, for the couple of weeks. And we know Michael Costa is, uh, you know, such a masterful trainer and his ability to have these horses just absolutely at peak fitness for these first up runs. Um, you know, I, I think he just, it was a trust system from James that he knew that he was on the best stock. And, um, well, it certainly showed, didn't it?
0: Tell me about that horse that we just replayed there, that won by a margin. How many starts had it had? It a horse called Westall, four-year-old. Yeah, he's had a few starts. Um, Look, his form was decent over in
1: the UK. Um, We saw him racing on the all-weather at Kempton Park over in the UK and I think that was enough for him to, I guess, to be going out there with with a sense of confidence that he was going to be racing quite well. Funnily enough, his name, as you obviously know, Jared Wessel, is, a, uh, is, is quite, a, uh, quite a well-known character amongst the Queensland circles and obviously one of a very young, talented race caller who certainly made his impressions here on the back end of the season. I was talking to Jared about the horse and he said that, you know, they, they thought he was potentially going to be a bit more of a stayer. But going off what we've seen in that first up run, he might be a bit more
0: versatile than they think. Michael Costa, he's had a flying start, obviously, with the help of James Orman as well. I think he's trained five winners already.
1: Yeah, he certainly has. Um, Look, as we know, he is indentured to the trainer, uh, to the owner who obviously uh, has uh, the ownership of Jebel Ali Racecourse, has trained uh, for him, obviously, last season and this season as well. So I think the home ground advantage was a big plus into a, a race meeting like Jebel Ali to kick off the season and uh, as we said that track's quite unique so um, the fact that these horses get a chance to train and and basically uh, run up the hill I guess multiple times per week that's going to get them set to have quite a home ground advantage and as we said Steve it, it probably sets the tone for not only uh, the Jebel Ali season but We've got a great book of uh, of runners this weekend, uh, or this, or tomorrow night, I should say, at uh, at Maidan, and uh, it wouldn't shock me to see them uh, pick up a few more winners as well. James Orman's joined by Ben Cohen, uh, who comes over here for a delayed start, so they'll be sharing the uh, the rides tomorrow night. Yeah, I
0: noticed James has got a few other rides away from the Costa stable as well. That's coming through late tonight, our time, of course, uh, at Maidan. How did James go last night? The meeting that you called uh, this afternoon, your time. Yeah, look, yeah, they only had the one one horse in.
1: Um, it was a it was a six race program with with five purebred Arabian races and and one thoroughbred race. So they came to try and pick up the thoroughbred race at the end of the night. The horse led, unfortunately, uh, the run came to an end uh, at about the two hundred meter mark. But look, um promising signs, another horse that I think will win races this season. They're just going to have to uh, obviously pick his races correctly. Uh, the horse was far from disgraced that's for sure.
0: Yeah, of course that's uh, Abu Dhabi. So how far away are these tracks for you to travel? Like to Maidan, Abu Dhabi you mentioned Jebel Ali where Michael Costa trains, you've got Sharjah as well Yeah, so there's
1: a there's a there's obviously varying distances um, the two main tracks in Dubai are both Maidan and, and Jebel Ali Jebel Ali sits south of the city, Um, so probably a 20 to 25-minute drive away from Maidan. Uh, is out the other side, uh, up in the north, so it's more towards, I guess, away from from Abu Dhabi. Uh, It's probably a 45-minute drive, maybe. Uh, Abu Dhabi's about an hour and 20, uh, maybe an hour and 10, depending on traffic uh, down the highway south. The longest distance one is a lane, for sure. It's uh, it's more towards uh, Oman. Uh, it's probably an an hour, an hour and hour and a half drive. I'd say would be would be probably a uh, good estimate on on what it is. As I said, Steve, it, it's it's traffic dependent. That's the thing. There's so many cars here now in Dubai. It's so cheap uh, to own a car, which is very funny because it's quite the opposite to where I was before in Singapore, where it's uh, <laughs> so almost impossible. So give us an idea. How much car.
0: does it cost? And. To run, well, things like it, that? Yeah, so the
1: cars, you know, you, you could probably pick up a car here for for somewhere around the mark of, you know, sort of thirty to $40,000 for like a, quite a nice car. And it, it's not that. It's also the fact that it's so cheap to run as well. Um, we've got, I, I filled the I filled the work car up the other day. I paid, I think, $80 Australian for 65 litres. So in, in the modern day, especially in Australia or New Zealand, that's, uh, that's uh,
0: yeah, I think those days. You still with us, Patrick? I'm here. Oh, excellent. No, we just lost you momentarily. So just tell me, I'm interested to reflect on your career. Of course, you were the voice of Alice Springs Racing for many, many years. You even called in New Zealand. Of course, Singapore. You called some feature races there and now Dubai. So tell us how this um, eventuated for you, calling in the UAE. Patrick? Patrick? Yeah, well, Steve,
1: Look, as you can probably imagine, we were all quite shocked with the news that Singapore was going to come to a close. And it certainly wasn't a place I was expecting on leaving anytime soon. I loved my time in Singapore. And I, I saw it as a place that I'd be sticking around for uh, for at least a couple of more years. Um, and unfortunately, when, uh, when a date is set that that's uh, when we're going to close the doors, um, I guess as a broadcaster, you sort of need to assess your options. And I think it was just a sense of timing more than anything um, that the job uh, came up uh, as available and um, it was uh, yeah, an opportunity for me to throw my hat in the ring. I, I, I didn't, fair to say, I didn't have a great deal of confidence. I know that a, a job like Dubai um, is going to have plenty of interest and it's going to spark interest for broadcasters all over the world. So the opportunity to to apply for that role was was there, and yeah, to to get the job is, is is quite amazing, and I'm I'm very fortunate.
0: Yeah, Terry Spargo was there for a long time. I'll never forget Terry's call of buffering when he raced in Dubai, and of course, Craig Evans was there for a period of time from the WA from WA, who's now in Victoria.
1: Yeah, and as you said as you said before, Jared Wessel was here for the final five weeks of the season. Uh, I said uh, we've had a sand groper and two Queenslanders here in the last twenty years. So uh, as uh, People would I say up uh, up in Queensland, Steve. Uh, you know, we're obviously, Melbourneians. We're south of the border. It's good to see someone south of the border representing uh, representing the Australian broadcasters here now. But uh, look, it's a really good uh, group of callers that have been here before. And uh, look, I'm I'm going to do my best to to make sure that I uh, you know try and fly the flag as best as possible. But uh, as I said, it for me as you mentioned, uh, to go from sort of Alice Springs over to New Zealand and then and then to Singapore. And now here, it's it's I pinch myself every day. It's a dream come true.
0: Yeah, similar to Adam Olszanski, of course, he was based in Victoria, but he used to make the trip up. And I think he was telling me he even slept in a tent there when he was calling Alice Springs. Was that difficult yeah, for you in travelling and all that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, he, he certainly did. I think they've got his camp spot still sitting there if he ever wants to come <laughs> back. But, um, yeah, look, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very... Uh, I'm, I'm a caller who caster I'd say who doesn't want one who's constantly bouncing around I think it's uh it's a job that allows me to sort of I guess explore the world and and do something that I love you know and um I think that that's that's something that I guess anyone would want you know um I'm, I'm very fortunate in the job that I am in um the fact that I I go to work every day and it doesn't feel like work you know racing is my love Racing's my passion and it's just uh yeah it's just amazing that I'm able to sort of go around and 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 do these and look i'm not going to knock the fact that i think hard work has come into it but you know with the way that the world has been in recent years with with covid it's made it a lot harder for people to travel around with family and and with uh i guess more people, more dependents uh, and as a result, uh, a young broadcaster who's a party of one it makes it uh, makes you a lot more marketable i guess for for race clubs so uh, that's the, their job is to give me the job and, and instill that to me, and hopefully I can just uh, I can do my best to to make them uh, you know make them feel like it was a worthwhile decision.
0: Are you counting down the days to Dubai World Cup night next year? Yeah, look, it certainly will be. At this point in time, uh, Dubai World Cup, as we know, Larry
1: Colmus called that at the back end of last year. Um, I'm I'm uncertain as to whether or not I will actually be calling that race meeting, but look, there's still plenty of great races ahead. I've got Super Saturday uh, in the early part of February, as we know, which is an amazing meeting, so I'm going to be able to get my opportunity to call some really amazing horses this season, but... Uh, whether I'm calling it behind the binoculars or not, Steve, um, I'll be there with bells on, and I'm sure it'll be a, it'll be a wonderful evening, yeah. nevertheless.
0: A lot of horses, Ray. Even Westwind Blows, who's favourite in the group, one, one of the group ones at Flemington tomorrow, is heading to Dubai. Uh, that's the plan at this stage, plus a lot of other horses we know as well. Just in Singapore, I think your last feature race was the QE2, and you would have been hoping that the star over there limbs, Kosciuszko, would have won. But I think Hong Kong, great sport, the party with a, a tear away lead and got the money. Yeah, he did. Look, it wasn't
1: uh, it wasn't the result we were expecting, that's for sure. But look, he's a he's a Gold Cup winner, and uh, we knew that the further distance he got was that he was going to come into play. And it was a daring ride by Bernardo Pinero, who uh, obviously is, is a Dubai-based rider who was over in Singapore on on one of his many stints that he's had there. And um, for him to be able to pick up the ride the way that he did, um, it was pretty amazing. Now. Unfortunately, Hong Kong Great wasn't in the noms for the Gold Cup this weekend, so hopefully all okay with the horse. Uh, there's no information as to what's happened, but unfortunately, he won't be taking his part, so he won't be able to defend his crown. But Lims Kosyosko has decided to go to the Gold Cup, and he'll carry 58 kilos, which, to be honest, Steve, I think is, very, very, uh, uh, is a very fair weight for him, considering his rating of you know 115 or somewhere around that mark. He carries 58. Two other horses carry 53. We've got 11 of 16 runners there in the Gold Cup carrying 50 kilos. So he's really spread the weights out in this handicap. And I think it's going to give every horse their chance here. A lot of horses looking for that ground and finally get that weight swing coming out of weight mm. for age. So Who's the um, main caller yeah, in Singapore really nowadays? Rate. Well, funnily enough, um, look, I'm not too sure whether whether, the, whether or not there will be you know someone joining the team there um, uh, for the for the new season and and for the final sort of nine to ten months. But um, uh, Scott Bailey's been able to pick up the opportunity to call. And um, I don't know if you remember Scott from back in the day as a, as a jockey in South Australia, but um, it's a pretty amazing story for him to be able to uh, to, to be able to take this uh, this race. And he's obviously called a Group One already. Uh, this season, but uh, he'll call his second Group 1, the Singapore Gold Cup. He's been a a jockey, an assistant trainer, and now he makes his way over into the broadcast team during COVID and he's been able to pick up uh, a couple of Group 1s. So, look, another young person who's been able to... uh, I guess in unique circumstances really uh, get a op- great opportunity to call some races and uh, you know he's doing a good job.
0: Yeah, he had over 1100 rides. His first uh, day at the races was Sir Junior in 2005. His first win was at Hawker <laughs> that same year and now he's calling races. I remember Harry Troy wrote a prolific winner getter in Country New South Wales of course he ended up calling races for many years in Macau, Harry. Yeah, Harry's still still uh, Harry's still going around at the moment and oh, is he? uh, he's yeah, he's still, still
1: calling the races in Macau. He, I think he had a couple of years off, but the club brought him back. And obviously, uh, with the uncertainty in Macau at the moment as to how long the racing will continue, um, I think he's still in that position and uh, he'll probably... Uh, I guess, uh, be there for a few more years to come. But he's, a, he's certainly a, a, great, a great person and someone who has uh, really made Macau home. But, yeah, much like Scott Bailey, he's, uh, he's uh, put his hat in everything, I think. He's had uh, plenty of opportunities, obviously, in the saddle and obviously calling
0: them as well. Yeah, he was a terrific jockey. It's a bit scary when you talked about, you know, you have spoken about Singapore and Macau. It's a, it's a real worry, isn't it, for world racing in general?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's really uh, concerning there, Steve, that, you know, we are seeing these clubs that have got such a rich history, unfortunately, you know, coming potentially to an end. Obviously, Singapore has announced it and, you know, there's been rumours sparking that, that Macau could follow. So, you know, these are, these are long-time institutions that have obviously been such vibrant places for racing and it is really sad to see that, you know, there will be a potential end to, you know, potentially clubs going on beyond that. We know Mauritius isn't going too well either at the moment. So
0: Why is this the case, do you think?
1: Oh, look, there's a number of ways that you could could look into it. You know, um, it doesn't help that Macau and Singapore are, you know, so population dense. And, you know, in in places like the UAE here, we've got so many, you know, so much space and so many... uh, you know opportunities to build they're, they're constantly constructing and yeah look singapore and macau are doing the same but um we'll, we'll focus on singapore obviously nothing's been mentioned with macau but but singapore obviously has announced the closure and the reason being that is that they're going to reclaim the land to build so you know it, it, this isn't just racing in singapore steve as someone who's lived there now well, had lived there for at least you know two and a half years it's sports fields, uh, you know, it's, it's any sort of major area that, that is taking up that and, um, you know, they're, they're meeting their demise. And it's, um, it's a shame because Singapore is such a wonderful country and it's such a wonderful place to live, but uh, it, it's, losing, it's, a, it's losing its identity by, by, you know, getting rid of these, you know, sport fields and, and essentially, you know, 15, 20 years down the track, the concern is that Singapore is just going to become a giant bunch of condos um, and there's going to be no opportunity for people to really participate in extracurricular activities, which is obviously a major part in life, you know, and, and something that's going to mentally aid, aid a society. So, you know, it's really sad that that's going to happen. But when you're limited for space, unfortunately, you know, people can be, obviously the, the government might be sort of in that position where they, they can't really do anything else.
0: And so many trainers we know well there. You know, we spoke to Donna Logan recently. Of course, Dan Maher, if it does close down, I think he's coming back to Brisbane to train in partnership with his brother. And, of course, Vlad Durek, I think, is riding there at the moment, isn't he? Uh, um, in Singapore? Yeah, Vlad, Vlad's,
1: Vlad's riding there. And, look, um, he was he was one foot out the door um, as a jockey at that point. And, and look, he's decided to, to, you know, obviously come back to the saddle with the announcement that, um, you know, there, there was uh, the, the closure going to happen. And look, a, a credit to Vlad, you know, he, he, he was obviously, you know, basically riding at sort of 58, 59 kilos and um, obviously getting to that point where he was at the back end of what he thought was his riding career. And he was going to, I guess, just, you know, start enjoying life a little bit more. And look, um, with, with the announcements, he's had to, you know, get back in the gym, lose a few kilos and get himself back down to sort of 55, 56, which is... The lightest he's been able to ride in a very long time, and uh, you know, a credit to him for being able to do that. But uh, I'm sure it wasn't something that he was, it was, it, was in his, it was in his plan.
0: It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. I know it's late there, and uh, let us know on social media how James Orman goes uh, tomorrow, your time, tonight, our time, when he's got a full book of rides there at Maydarm. Will do, Steve. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, yeah, look, looking
1: forward to uh, to the upcoming season here and, and kicking off with Maidan tomorrow night.
0: Thanks very much for that, Patrick. Patrick Cummer for joining us, the broadcaster at the moment in the UAE.